Reggae Uprising podcast family and welcome to another episode. In case you're a newcomer to this podcast, it is all about connecting people of the diaspora through knowledge, inspiration, stories, all set to a soundtrack of sweet reggae music. Now, each one of my guests makes seven selections Uh, where they pick songs that are inspirational to them, they hold memories to them, or they just feel are empowering songs. If this isn't enough of a reggae hit for you throughout the week, I also do Reggae Uprising every Monday just to brighten up your week. And there's plenty other things on my um, social media that you can check out as I'm also a reggae soul singer. So all you need to do if you want to go check out more of my music and inspirational works is go to Facebook Daniel Music or Instagram Daniel Music. Now it's about time we got started with today's guest first selection which is Bob Marley's Redemption Song. Caribbean Community Initiative for 20 years. Now, ACCI is a mental health service formed by a group of Rastafarians over 32 years ago. In September 2019, he received the Alicia Spence Award in acknowledgement for his years of service. I would like to welcome today's guest, Tedrick Bailey. Greetings and welcome, Tedrick. Hi, thank you very much. Are you okay? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Uh, can you tell us the reason for your first selection, please? Um, well, the reason for my first selection is Redemption Song by Bob Marley. Um, it came out at 
1980, I think it is. And this song is a very powerful song to me. It talks about black people freeing their mind for mental slavery and just sticking together and bre breaking the slave slave mentality and and working as one in the community. So it's a very important song, very deep. It's something what's been written years ago and it still stands today and it's just a song what well known all across the globe and means a lot to me. Okay, can you, um, as I ask all of my guests who come on Reggae Uprising podcast, can you let us know what your heritage is, please? Um, African Caribbean. Can you delve a little deeper into that and explain that one for us? Um, so my mum is from Jamaica and my dad is from Jamaica. Um, they're from St. Thomas. My dad's from St. Thomas and, and my mum is from St. Thomas as well in the Somerset region of Jamaica, St. Thomas. Right, so did your parents come over to the UK or was it yourself? And my parents. And why born, did they choose to come I'm, over here? Come on, sorry, say that again. And why did they choose to come over here? Um, just for a better life, really. Um, my grandma was um, from a wealthy family in St. Thomas. She had horses and in those kind of days. So my grandma passed away when she was 95 years old. So when she came here, she was only a you know, teenager. She came to England to meet up her husband, who is the first deacon to um, open up a church in the West Midlands area in the 70s. So, sorry, just let me clarify. It was your grandmother that came over to the UK, not your mum? Yeah. Right, Yeah, my grandmother okay. came first to meet my granddad, because my granddad was over here and he set up the first church, Was it what was in the house. Um, prior meeting and then he grew up to church to a um, church building and then um, when my grandma came in she sent for uh, both her kids which one of them was my mother and um, start to set up um, in Wolverhampton because that's where majority of the family came to as well and that's where my granddad was, was set up as well in Wolverhampton. So do you know what made your grandparents come over to the UK? Um... Well, my grandma didn't want to come because she was, as I said, she was very, she was from a wealthy family. She was, um, she was the fifth sister and the five, what she used to say to me, she was the favourite sister. So her dad would give her horses and land for, just for her birthday. So she was from a very wealthy family. And um, she just came here for loyalty for her husband because her husband's dream was to open up church in England because obviously he was a pastor from Jamaica. And, um, she was just loyal and just said that she wanted to be with her husband and just see what England's like. But when she came here, she didn't, she didn't like it at all. But because uh, she's a loyal, respectable woman, she stood by um, my granddad's side and stayed here. Okay. And you don't know why it was his dream to come to the UK and rather than doing it in sure. Jamaica? I'm not sure. He just, obviously, everybody back then probably was promised a dream or better life or a big beginning back then. So I just think he just thought, you know, something, I want to spread the word of the gospel words in different in different parts of the world. So he just thought, let me, it's an opportunity for him. So he just thought, let me try it out. And I think that's what was it, really. Right. And you know your grandmother's side of the family, where did their wealth come from? What did they do as, as work? Um, farming. Farming. A lot of cane fields, farming um, cane for and sugar for England and Cuban countries. So the wealth came there from um, a lot of farming and agricultural kind of background it was from as well so I think it was that kind of 
area where the family got the wealth from. Right, okay. And does that continue in your family now? Do they, you still hold the land? Do people still work the land in Jamaica? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I go, I try and go Jamaica every two to three years, as much as I can, really. It's important to, to, to me to keep that um, that family, to know who, who I am. Because obviously my grandma's passed away now, so I like to um, go there and visit, make people know who I am. Obviously, they respect me. And want to know because of the love what they have for my grandma. So, um, yeah, I do visit there and there's a lot of land and properties out there as well. And a, a lot of family out there as well, a lot of cousins and nieces and nephews, so forth. Wow, that's that's amazing. That's amazing that you're keeping the link. That's, you know, that's what yeah, it's all important. about. Yeah, it's important to keep that link. Because yeah, even though I'm here... And because obviously growing up, raised by my grandma, she always talked about Jamaica and talked to me about how it was even before I even stepped foot in the country. And obviously I was born here myself. But I do only thing I knew about Jamaica is what I see on TV, books and hear from family and people. So my grandma instilled in me a lot. Because obviously I used to wonder, how come my grandma used to talk about Jamaica all the time and talk about Crossroad and the river and stuff? But I knew... Once she passed away and I went there for the first time, I knew why she told me this because she wanted to know that when I go there, I know who's who and I'm familiar with this place. So it was like, as soon as I went there, it was like, oh my God, it's like I've been here already because she just told me everything about this area of Jamaica. Okay. Right, we're going to move on to your next selection, which is Dennis Bryan, Tribulation. Why did you pick this one? Um. Wow. Big tune as well to me. Every time you hear it, the words, what Dennis Brown is telling you that the tribulation and stuff what black people have gone through over the centuries and in 2020 we're still going through it now so this tune is a very very big tune one of the biggest tunes around the world anyone right here is in any race corner um, this tune moves you and it's just a well written tune that was written in um, 19 I think it was 1974 so that's how long this tune is written and it still moves us now when you hear it. Here we go with Dennis Bryan at Tribulation.
us a little bit about how ACCI first started. Okay, so um, ACCI is, is set up in Wolverhampton, a city in England, um, UK. And um, it was set up in 1987 by a group of Rastafarians who um, came together and re- did research and realised there was a high level of male and female African Caribbean people in a mental institution. So um, therefore, we've got to do something about this because at this time, there was a lot of people, a lot of brothers and sisters passing away um, unjustly in the mental health system and without no power, no one to speak out against this in the news. And Because obviously these days, what, um, in, in like 1987, racism was very upfront in your face. So when you, there was not much help families could get and um, support they could get in these times. So these great Rastafarians came together and thought we need an organisation to um, have, voice these people and families who are suffering and losing loved ones in mental health situations and institutions and to give support in the community to people as well. So how did you first become involved and what was your initial role when you started there? Well, when I first started out, I kind of stumbled across it. Um, I didn't really knew what to, because I was 17 years old, so I wanted a career, but I didn't know what to do. Um, obviously, when you leave school, you're not really sure unless you're guided or said somebody's holding your hand to say, follow this path and do this. So I wasn't really sure what to do after school. So I um, went to college a few times, did a couple um, courses, and then um, I spoke to a lady at the job centre. She told me about this organisation called ACCO, and she could try and get me to volunteer there. So I went there 17, and funny enough, I was very surprised to see an office full of African-Caribbean people working. That was the first shock. And then when um, in the centre, day centre at that time, there was a lot of people there who were suffering mental health problems from the community. Even I knew, because I used to see them on the street, and um, sitting there getting help. So I started volunteering there, helping with the meals, organising activities, and offering any support I could do at a young age there. So I was doing it for a few days a week, just offering my time. Okay, and can you tell us a little bit about how ACCI has evolved through time and what it does to help our community in the present day? Yeah, so um, ACCI right now is it's grown immensely over the years. Um, we have a hub centre where people off the street can come in and um, for any kind of issues, any situation, any time, um, 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. So people can come off the street if they're feeling unwell, if they know anybody what's suffering mental health problems or any families, so people can walk in. And then we've got like um, an outreach service where we're going to people's house, the outreach team, we're going to people's house, support them with daily living, bills, or just general things what people struggle with, because obviously some of the people that we work with, they've been in mental health hospitals for a very long time, so obviously their property where they live can be a very in a very bad state. So the outreach team will go there and make sure everything's um, up to scratch before they discharge out of hospital. So, um, so we'll make sure that the house is in tidy, bills are being paid, arrears are sorted out because 
sometimes when they come out, been in hospital for a long time, their um, benefits could be stopped. So they could build up a large amount of arrears. So, so, and obviously, if you're coming out of hospital with mental problem and you're coming out and you've found out that you own £3,000 rent, that can send you straight back in to um, hospital and, and turn you ill. So the Howage team supports people and just make sure things on the outside world is on scratch and, and they're doing well. And we got um housing officer there named Janet as well, Janet Clark-Lewis, amazing officer, um, housing officer. So what she does is um she deals with bills, debts, any kind of information, support, and that kind of thing, and make sure people are getting the right adequate kind of housing and um, just making sure everybody's comfortable and in the right place and getting the right support. So she does a big role for us. And we've got, like, counselling service as well. We've got um, some counselling um, staff there, what council people from bereavement or um, if they're feeling unwell, they can just book in, talk to someone, talk about how they're going through, um, how they're feeling, if they're hearing any voices, just let off anything what's affecting them while they're outside in the community on, on medication and just can just get things off their chest and try to keep stable and well. And then we ha- um, have like, um, we got um, the counselling service, we got the housing officer, we got activities as well. We do activities, we do trips like Butlins and to people like, to, even we've done trips to Gambia as well. So um, we do loads and loads of different things. What was that trip to Gambia like? Oh, it was amazing. That was in 1997. I was there at that moment, but that was a really, really special trip. Taking a group of African Karen people to Gambia was a dream, and that, that's something what was fundraised and, and um, organised by the staff there as well. Okay, so do you know what what they did in Gambia, what the itinerary was like, and play, things uh, or places that they went to? Yeah, they just went around the islands in different things, got to see some of the culture, how the Gambians lived out there and just get some sunshine and vitamin D. That was the most important part of that trip because a lot of the members, when they came back, they were feeling so well and doing, and, and doing good for a very long time and they still talk about it now. Okay. We're going to go back to these talks in just a moment, but I want to move on to your next selection, which is Pablo God, Hard Times. Why did you pick this selection? Um, this is one tune. This is one tune. What um, my brother, my older brother, heard. My older brother played this a few years ago, and when I heard it, the, once again, the lyrics it just makes you just know um, what we're going through, and we're still going through it now as as as, as a people. The times are just tough. It's getting rough and it's getting harder, but you still have to keep your head and keep on moving, keep on fighting. And obviously, the song like "These Hard Times" was written in the nineteen eighty. This was this song was released in nineteen eighty when racism was on really high and on the forefront, and a lot of things was happening, and a lot of black people speaking out against the oppression and what we are um, was going through that time and still going through now. So this is one of the songs now what can relate to every man, woman and child on this planet about the times we're going for going through now and that we can make it through the other end. Here we go with Pablo got hard times.
Now, can you tell us more of the systems um, whilst going through the different stages of mental health? For example, um, from someone who has mild symptoms who may be, may be searching for help to somebody who has severe symptoms in which the family members are searching for help? So basically, it's very hard because when, you, when you're suffering, say you're suffering with mental health problems and, um, and you, you've come out, you've come out now, you've, you've spent like 20, 21 days on a secure unit and you've come out now. You, the different, different, most African Caribbean people, the doctors say, diagnose you as schizophrenic. So most black people right now, if you ask them what their diagnosis is, it will have down schizophrenia. So why is like, that? They just think, I don't know, I just think GPs, when they're sitting in front of you, the GPs sitting in front of you and you're black and you're going through a mental health episode, one thing they're probably thinking to themselves is probably cannabis induced or is that person taking something and it's, and they just have you down as schizophrenia. Even when it could be bipolar or anxiety or anything else, any other um, mental health diagnosis, but they'll always have you down as schizophrenia. And a lot of our members at ACCI, that's what they say. And they do make noise about it. They say they're not happy that that's what they're suffering because obviously they know what they're suffering and what caused them to have a mental health episode. But the GP always um, has you down and the psychiatric um, system has every um, probably 95% of the, our people down as schizophrenia, suffering schizophrenic episodes. Right, so could you tell us, I was talking more about, that's really interesting information and that is good to know. Um, can you tell us the, um, the, how schizophrenia would be described? for starters and then I want to go back to the original question but um, that's really interesting so if you could describe that to us so that people are aware of what the description of that would be okay so suffering schizophrenia someone suffering schizophrenia would be like hearing voices like a lot of people would be hearing voices so obviously somebody they were hearing somebody telling them to do something or just whispering because I've been on a lot of um, hearing voices um, courses throughout the years as well. And one um, one thing I, I, I like what they do in the um, on the courses make you make you kind of feel how it feels to suffer schizophrenia. So what they do, they'll sit you down in the chair facing an object and have two people whispering to you about different subjects at the same time. And these are most of the people suffering that are hearing this 24-7, even when they go to sleep, they're hearing this, and they still have to maintain a, a good quality of life. Right, okay. And can you describe to us a couple of other mental illnesses that are, you would say are more common? Yeah. And maybe that people say they're suffering with um, when they're being misdiagnosed? Yeah, so there's a, there's a large range of um, mental health. There's like anxiety, there's depression, there's um there's even like hoarding is seen to mental health as well. There's so much large range of mental health and they say that everybody, every single person on this planet suffers some kind of mental health system. So some kind of mental health diagnosis. Like everybody's just like nobody's like um um can't there's not one person on the planet what doesn't have mental health. It's just how some people have it more severe than others. 
Right. Um, going back to the original question, can you tell us more of the systems that are in place when you're going into, um, when you're getting into mental health? Like I said, from rather than from somebody coming out of the mental health system, I'm talking more about going into the system. Like, what actually happens? What are the systems that are in place? What will generally happen? Okay. So, um, so say if you get section, say if you're unwell and you're out in the public causing harm to yourself or something, you'd be arrested. Um, you'll hopefully be arrested and be taken to police station so you're safe. And then you um, will get assessed by a doctor, a doctor, amp worker, and, a, and, ho and if you need, you would have a social worker there. So normally there'd be need to be about three doctors there to give you um, to section you to send to hospital. So when you're there, um, they'll ask you some questions and just check certain things and just making sure that everything's that you're healthy and stuff and then they'll see how your um, mental health state is. So if you're sectioned under the mental health act, you go into hospital under section two. And on a section two, you mean hospital up to 28 days. Um, and you basically, the time in this 28 days, you're under assessment and the, the doctors and nurses were assessing you on the ward to see, uh, under the, when you're on medication as well to see how you um, how your body's reacting to the medication, if you feel any weather well. So three times a week, you will have a meeting with your, with your head nurse on the ward, um, two doctors, a social worker and a nurse, and they'll have a meeting, this meeting is called a tribunal. So in this meeting now, where you get to say how you feeling, your concerns, um, doctors will be able to tell you your progress and ask you questions like say to you, how do you remember how you got here? Um, what caused you to be unwell? Just ask you some simple questions. So it's just your, this is your moment now to um, voice your concerns, what you're not happy with and ask questions to the doctors. And that's where my role will be there, because my role will be is to be right next to you and try and make sure you can get enough a fair look at things and making sure you, your voice is heard and help you with anything you're worried about or any questions you need. And help, make sure you're outside living as well and your family's all right as well. And I'll try and um, offer and make sure everything's in place and the right support's there for you. So when you come out of hospital, you, you can you can keep as well as you can and not end up back in hospital right okay so what um once you've been diagnosed that you can actually leave what are the systems that are in place there say well, just give an example without you guys so what would normally be there and what do you add to what's there well if you imagine when you've been on, when you've been in hospital for, for like 28 days you, your human rights has gone so you can't leave Basically, you can't leave to when the doctors say yes, give you the go-ahead. But what they'll do once you're getting unwell, they'll give you leave. So they'll say to you, okay, um, in in the meeting, the tribunal I was talking about earlier, they'll say to you, um, okay, we'll give you seven hours a week to go to ACCI and come back with a staff off the ward. Or if you're well enough, they'll say you can leave, catch the bus, and go to the um, the wellbeing centre for a few hours and come back so they're gradually giving you like baby steps but if you're not if they don't if you don't improve they can put you on section three and section three is um you're there for over could be over six months and longer 
and you're basically there to when the doctors and um, the psych- psychiatrists say that you're fit to leave. So we have, we work with people what's been in hospitals for like 10 years, 15 years, even 19 years, and still can't leave. So were there further sections from Section 3? Is there a Section 4, Section 5? Ha- or does it stop at Section 3? Yeah. Yeah, that can be different. There's, there's, a whole, there's a whole different range of different sections, but with Section 3, it's basically you have to try and get yourself as well as possible. So when you sit in the tribunal, you've got the right support and you've got the right things put in place. And you see well yourself, because obviously the doctors and GPs are asking you questions and then watching you on the ward and everything for you to come out. So it's a very, very scary time because you feel powerless, you're afraid, you've probably lost your relationships, probably broke, broken up. Um, you don't even know if you're going to be housed when you come out. But it's a very scary time for someone. I, I try and always try and put myself in in that position and think to myself, how would I feel if I ever became unwell and I was under a section and you wouldn't know really what's going on or what happened to make you end up there. So it's a scary time for people. Just I've seen many, uh, many of the years. I've seen many men and women, and young teenagers on sections, and it's just very sad. Like, and as I said, my job is to get them well and get them out there and try my best from not them not making them end going back in the mental health hospital. Just out of interest, is there a section where you um, you're sectioned in such a way that you won't come out at all? Um, yes, there's people in there. There's people in insecure units all over the country what they've been there for more than 20 years 30 years some end up dying in there and these brothers and sisters are I would say well enough with the right support to go back out to their communities but you see why it is a lot of things right now to do with money and obviously when the power be has you and you want a section um, it's for them to say that you're ready to to come out so that is a scare so basically your life is in their hands I mean so if they want to keep you there they'll keep you there I mean a lot of brothers and sisters when I go there and I see them on the walls on the section and them on the section and them shouting and cussing them chatting patwa and shouting in their African language I have to take them outside and say to them listen these people want to keep you here you have to control yourself get well do what they say because you can't fight this right now Maybe when you come out, you can fight the system. But right now, you're, you're, you're under this, this law and power. So you have to like keep yourself well, do what they say, take the medication, keep your mind active, exercise. And we're here at ACSI to support you and, and guide you with this journey. But just don't fight the system because you can't and you're going to lose. There's many, there's many brothers and sisters over the years who have lost their life in mental health institutions. And, like, there's been roles that have come at ACSI for people. What member, our members what have passed away in mental health hospital. We've, we've got a nurse, what we work with now, named Margaret. And um, her roles come, come about because uh, um, a few years ago, a, a brother called Fitz Francis um, was killed and... On, on, on in a um, ward in um, Wolverhampton a few years ago. So, yeah, it is a very scary, scary field. Obviously, I, I meet a lot of people every day. And some of the people I meet even from my own school. I see people on the wards and sections from my own school in my class. 
and we're like, oh my gosh, what are you doing here? And like, they're just saying to me, Ted just had a breakdown, I couldn't cope with life, it's stressful, and they've just lost it, or bad breakup. It could be all sorts of reasons could set anybody over the edge. You, we all know how hard life is, and how things are, like what's happening in the world now, it's a very, very difficult time. Like, um, mental health is shut up now. Like, when things go back to normal, the referrals, what we're going to be receiving is going to be, like, absolutely crazy. So, yeah, it's um, it's a very interesting role, and it's a very rewarding role as well, what I do, because the BME community of Wolverhampton is 5.2% of the population of Wolverhampton is, is of BME community. And, um, what's, what's the BME that, community? Like, People won't know what that is. What is that? Oh, that's um, black and ethnic. So all the African Caribbean people in Wolverhampton and Asian people makes up twenty percent of um, patients admissions and detained under the Mental Health Act in um, England, and that's a very high high number, twenty percent. I mean, it's all. When I go on the wards, I do see a lot of young, and I'm starting to see a lot of young people as well. When I go into the wards, um, a lot of young brothers and sisters on the wards had a breakdown and then just there on a section two or three. And um, that's when I just step in and do what I've got to do to get them well and get them out and give them the right support. Okay. Um, we're going to come back to these talks in just a moment, but I want to move on to your next selection, which is African Princess Ja Children Cry. Why did you pick this selection? Um... Yeah, another one of my favourite songs is a song like um, as soon as I hear it, you just feel uplifted. Um, and it was another song that was written in, I think it was written in nineteen in 1980s, yeah, 1980s. It was written in a time when oppression and black people was rising against the system and and trying to free their minds. And this song just, just makes me feel happy inside and just makes me feel like to dance. It makes you feel good. It's one of them songs like just makes you want to go and just shake your head or just vibe to this tune. So yeah, it's a very one of my favourite tunes. Here we go with African Princess. Your children cry. <laughs> Prevalent mental health issues within our community. 
I know, like you said, there's a misdiagnosis, but um, from, you know, your conversations and your experience over the years, the true diagnosis, what would you say the, are the three most prevalent? Um, three most prevalent, I'd say, um, a, lot, a lot of the people what I meet, it's um, racism and discrimination, um, social and economic um, inequalities, um, Mental health stigma and the criminal justice system as well is a large factor in people um, going down the mental health route and having the, um, episodes because there's so much, it's so much you have to fight as yourself, so much you're against, so it's like the odds is against you, but you have to just keep your mind focused and positive and have that will against you that you will be well again and come back out and live your life. I know hundreds of people what had a very severe um, mental health episode and ended up in secure units and have come out with the right support, come to ACCI, we support them with everything they need and they've carried on and opened up jobs and businesses, employed people and had a very normal life. So it's not never the end of the road, but you need the right support. As I said, it's very hard to back all this on your own. Right. Um, when I said the, the three most prevalent mental health issues, I mean like the actual, you know, the actual illnesses. So for, um, like you said, schizophrenia, um, manic depression, which would you, which would you say are the three most prevalent within our community? The actual mental yeah, health I'd issues. I'd say schizophrenia, I'd say um, schizophrenia, depression, and I'd say, yeah, I'd say schizophrenia, depression, I don't know. Right, didn't you say that, that people are being misdiagnosed with schizophrenia though? So when they're saying they're being misdiagnosed, what are they saying? What do they think it is? Saying depression. Right. Well most of people most of people that we meet that just says, you know something, Ted, all I needed to is somebody to speak to or somebody to support me with this or support me with my children or support me with my benefits. That's all I needed. What there's no help out there. They didn't know about ACCI, so they, they, they couldn't reach out to us. But most people we, we, we meet, they just said that they're just depressed and they just need um, support in different areas of their life and to, to um, keep them stable and, and keep them well. But, yeah, I'd say depression is most of people. And they'll say, I suffer depression, but they don't, on, on their doctor's card it says... Um, um, schizophrenia right okay um why do you think that there's such a taboo within our community when it comes to mental health you know as, as i said to you earlier when you're coming in in when you're going down that line system and you're black especially for black males you know some of the system when you're in the mental health system as well and they're dealing with you they see you as big black and dangerous i mean so they just see this black guy acting erratic or he must have schizophrenia he just needs to be um injected with depots and be calmed down so it's that stigma that's what i said racism is a very big um even now in 2020 a big part of it as well and it's getting better don't get me wrong it's getting better we've moved along especially from when i started ACES, we've come a long way 
um, things have improved much, but we, there's still there's still things what services are doing wrong, and and it's it's for like ACI to step in and say, listen, this person does need support in this area, or we will do this and help this person with this, and it will make, it makes a big difference. Right, we're going to move on to your next selection, which is am I saying it correctly? Fabine prophecy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This song, prophecy. Um, one of my um, another favorite song of mine. Every time I hear it, it's just a um, real, 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 real big tune. When I go to dance with my brother as well, it's one of the tunes what you always hear them play, and everyone just like feels free and start dancing to it. And what she's singing as well, it's the words. So when everybody's listening to the songs I'm selecting, I want everyone to listen to the words. What these people are trying to tell us even now in 2020 songs like what we played what was played earlier the words what they're trying to tell us back then and we're still going through it now that's why i made this song all right here we go it's for buying prophecy day do's and don'ts um, for an individual suffering from mental health do's or don'ts um, I'd say don't be scared to talk or reach out um, a lot of in the community mental health still has that stigma in our community which is a big shame um, when, when people see people who suffer with mental health on, on the streets um, our community still shuns them away in some areas of fact in some, in some um, areas but we do um, I'd say t- for people to talk to their families, reach out to services like ACCI there's always help out there, there's always people who care and there's people who who get up every day and fight for your rights and for the injustices of what happen to our people every single day every single second in this world, somebody's going through some 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 wrong injustice so yeah i'd say that to talk and um 
not keep to yourself. There's help there. Talk to your families if you're feeling unwell. Talk to someone. Talk to a friend. Just reach out. Don't hold it in. Don't keep it to yourself. And what would you say the do's and don'ts for family members of somebody that is suffering with mental health or has suffered with mental health issues? Just, just don't give up. Every life's full of challenges. Life's full of battles. You have to um, be strong. I mean, the strongest will always survive, and you always not will make it. Just keep determined. Keep yourself well. If you feel like your medication you're taking is keeping you well, just take it. If you don't, challenge the doctors. Families need to speak out and sometimes challenge GPs with dosage, with different kind of medication. Families need to support um, loved ones in mental health institutions, in um, meetings. Attend the meetings and challenge the doctors. Ask them why they're getting this dosage, why they're getting this, what does this do? Talk about side effects support each what each other. We just need to show a bit more love and compassion in the community and it will get you through anything. Okay. And can you tell us of any you did touch on one earlier, one um one person earlier, but can you tell us of any mental health cases from our community that are featured in the UK media or maybe even those that haven't featured in the media that you think should have? There's there's loads. There's loads. Can you give us an example of one? Um, I can't think of none at the minute, but just type it type it in Google and um, you see loads, even in Wolverhampton, I don't want to call no names, but the last few years we've had a couple of um, big um, incidents what happened with people suffering from mental health, but the right support wasn't there for that person at the time and some of the services, and the families will even say now, some of the services was let down by the bigger services, such as the, um, the hospitals and the, the GPs and the doctor. Like, um, just a few years ago, I was um, working with a young man and he was having, working with his mum and um, himself. And he was going through a mental health episode, really bright young man, really intelligent. And he's one of my friends right now as well. And um, was, was was feeling really anxious and unwell for some reason because he was going to university and the pressure of university and his work. So um, his, his mother, lucky enough, had her number, called us and said, can we come come around and support? She's trying to phone the police. The police saying it's not nothing to do with them to phone the hospital. She's phoned the hospital. Hospital is saying there's no bed to, phone, to go to A&E. So she was like getting, getting sent around everywhere. So she phoned us to say, what can she do? So we will say the quickest route right now is going to A&E with the young man. And then um, we went there um, kept trying, kept him calm, trying to reassure him. Cause, and we was there for about 12 hours before um, he got sectioned and sent to hospital and um, got the right help. So we was in um, a um, A&E with this young gentleman his mother, one of my staff I work with and myself up to 12 hours so this is a thing what a lot of people don't know once you, um, if you come unwell or one of your loved ones or your child comes unwell and you want the help you, when you go to hospital it's good, It's a very long time before that person um, is get treated and in, in, in safety Wow, there's lots of information that I hope is, you know, is helpful to people out there. Um, we are coming near to the end. Um, we've still got a couple more selections left. Um, so we've got Sylvia Teller, Mother Nature. 
Would you like to tell us about why you picked this selection? Uh, yes, I, was, I picked this song, Silver Teller, because I love her voice. Um, the song Mother Nature is singing once again to us. So once again, it's one of the songs where I want everyone to listen to the words and listen to what she's saying to us. Um, and obviously, we're all from Africa, and we're all the people of nature, so we all should appreciate nature, appreciate greed, because that's us. We're all... The same, the same right now, we all have um, vitamin D deficiency. So we all need to, important to get the sun. We're all from the sun, so we need to turn to the sun. So, yeah, one of the songs that I say to this is the word. And have a little dance if you can. Here we go with Sil Sylvia Teller, Mother Nature. within Western culture would you say are increasing the amount of mental health issues? For example, it might be technology. You might have a lot more um, examples to give us. Yeah. Um, I think, um, yeah, like technology is one big aspect to it. We're not really, especially for the young youth now, the young youth, we've gone into a world right now where it's all phones, iPhones and stuff. And I've stepped into a room and seen a, a room full of young teenagers and no, nobody's talking to each other. Everyone's head down in the phone. Um, so that's a big thing. Cause it's, so, it's, like, it's kind of like social distancing, really. It's just no one's not really talking or expressing how they feel anymore. And um, just benefits, the benefit system, there's a whole range of things what's affecting people's mental health now, even what's happening in the world right now. What like even the benefits, ESA and the pressures, of what the government's putting on people now um, is causing a lot of mental health problems right now and just how life is set up as well. So 
So I said, it's important for us to talk as a community to each other. If you see somebody isolating themselves, just knock their door, ask their, ask their small rights. And just ask people on the street, how are you feeling? All you know, smiling. Like, we live in a time right now where people are not even smiling. Or you know, when you say good morning to someone, they're just looking at you. Just, we just need to have some of that love and, and um, compassion and show each other support. Because that's how it's always been. And it should always continue. So what do you feel that our community needs for the future of, you know, healthy mental health? Healthy mental health? Um, as again, um, talking, sharing, laughing, laughing, um, having family events, attending events in your community, um, checking up on each other. Because I remember when I was young, back at... Back in the early days when, when I was young, my mum, we used to always ring around people. Mum still does it now. She'll phone around half of the family to check if everyone's all right. So I'm saying, mum, you should worry about yourself. But that's how my nan's put instilled in her. She's always had that caring for everybody, for your neighbour, make sure everyone's all right, make sure some, everyone's got food. And I think just, just loving the community, that's what we need. Love and just to know we want people and we just need to just stick together, look after each other, eat healthy, drink a lot of water and um, get some vitamin D, which is important from the sun, natural vitamin D. And eat fruits, a lot of Caribbean fruits as well right now and African fruits. When you blend them up, they've got a lot of vitamins that can help you and keep your mind active and healthy. So I'd say, yeah, I'd say that would be my mission to keep eating healthy and keep yourself healthy and keep the love and keep close. Well, thank you so, so much um, for being a guest for today. We're going to leave our listeners with your final selection, which is Bob Marley, Natural Mystic. Why did you choose this one? Because it's one of Bob Marley's biggest tunes. This tune, like every time you hear it, especially if you go to a dance and this tune comes on, the eruption it makes and what Bob Marley's saying, the lyrics as well. And this tune was... Um, made in 1977, yeah, 77, he ripped this tune and it was released um, not long after. So, um, yeah, once again, it's one of my favourite Bob Marley's tunes, powerful tune as well. The rhythm, the instruments, his lyrics, what he's telling you. It's, um, it's for all of us to listen clearly and listen keenly what he's saying to us because he's giving us a message and we all should follow because it's affecting us now in 2020. Thank you again for being a guest today, Tedrick. Really do appreciate all of your insight and wisdom. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Yeah, um, I just want to have a, say a big thank you to Alicia Spence, Director of Service of ACCI, and all the staff, um, Dawn, Ferdy, Aon, all the boards, outreach. I just want to say a big thank you for everything you do for the community at ACCI. Thank you. Right, we're going to leave you with the sound of Bob Marley, Natural Mystic. As always, blessed love. There's a natural mystic flowing.